0: If you have been with us the last two weeks, we've been doing this series called Here As In Heaven. And what we are doing is we are taking the Lord's Prayer and we're breaking it down. And uh, Carla and Julie are here from Detroit, from our old ministry in the West region of Detroit. So please fellowship with them. and. they might remember, I did this in Ann Arbor, so Carla might be like, I'm just pulling up my notes from a few years ago. Um, but we're right in the middle. So this is a five-week series, and this is week three. So we're right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. And the way that I have been describing this, oh, the way that we have been describing this is the Lord's Prayer, it has, has turned, over the years, it has turned into, like, basically a sing-songy, lullaby like chant, like, like, a, like a, a thing that you can just say while it's in the background of your brain and never have to actually like meditate on the words. Now, I have prayed with people who use it as like a model for their prayer, and they kind of go through, and they're like, hey, this is, now I'm going to pray for this, now I'm going to pray for this, and that's great, you can do that. But if you remember the last two two weeks, what I am trying to do is this this prayer, our Father, is this thing that can be very external to us. It's just this thing, God, you're cool, do your thing, you're awesome. And hey, give me some stuff. And what I'm trying to do is forcefully, like (laughs) as hard as I can, drag that prayer Inside, and make it change us. Make it change the way we think of God, the way we think of our relationship with God, and the way we position and present ourselves to God. So let's jump in and read it. We do this at the beginning of all these, and we'll do it the next two weeks too. Let's read the Lord's Prayer. It says in uh, Matthew, this is the Matthew six, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so, last two, first week we looked at our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And last week we looked at your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, we are looking at these six words. Give us today our daily bread. And I got to be honest, guys, this is, and I'll probably circle back to this at the end, this is something that a lot of people do not pray anymore, especially in America, especially in modern times. We don't typically pray this prayer, and if if we do, we, we might not pray it the way that jesus and his disciples prayed it or anybody in first century you know middle east prayed it and so we're going to be talking about what did what did jesus mean when he said this what did jesus what was jesus trying to teach his disciples when he told them hey this is how you pray and he included this in the model prayer give us today our daily bread. And what's funny is that we have the only guy who can miraculously make bread out of nothing instead asking his dad for bread. And are there any lessons that we can learn from that? The answer is oh, you betcha. There's a lot of, lot of lessons we can learn. So here's what we're gonna do we're gonna go back in time already. We're going to go to the original daily bread prayer because there is a daily bread prayer in the Old Testament and it's awesome. And so one, in, one, in one way of thinking, Jesus is, is teaching his disciples this and when he says it, their brains might go like, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about this other prayer. And so now they're making all of these connections between modern day, I, want to, I Jesus is telling me I need to pray for daily bread, and I remember from my upbringing in the synagogue, I remember the, the prayer, the daily bread prayer from the Old Testament. What is that, you might ask? Well, let's look at it. This is it in Proverbs 30. It says in Proverbs 30, verse 7, Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood. And lies far from me? Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. This is the daily prayer bread in the Old Testament. This is uh, basically. A wise saying that was well known, and it was one of the Proverbs. And Jesus, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he does a callback to this Old Testament prayer. Now, here's what's interesting. Let's split this verse into two and look at it as two separate prayers, okay? Because he's praying for two very different things. And so here's, here's how I would do that. Uh, Two things I ask of you, Lord, it might update at some point. Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Or maybe not. There you go. Prayer number one, give me not poverty, but give me only my daily bread. Or I might become poor and steal and so dishonor your name. That is prayer number one. Please, God, I don't want to be poor, because if I'm poor, when I'm poor, I do dumb stuff, and not I, not that I'll go to jail, but that your name might be defamed. Okay. Now here's another prayer, and I want you to ask yourselves how many times you have prayed this prayer in your life. God, please give me not riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise. I might have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Guys, in our culture, there's a lot of people praying this prayer, but not in the right way. And there's a lot lot of people not praying this prayer. And when I'm fully honest with myself, I have to, if I'm being honest, I'm like, yeah, you're right. there's not a lot of time where I'm asking God, hey, God, just keep money away from me. Like, uh, don't get that. Don't make me too rich, God. (laughs) Like, oh, man, if I I have too much money, then I might, like, start running my life the way I want to run it. My sinful nature might take over. I start gratifying my flesh, and then I might dishonor you. Or I might say, I might disown you and say, who is the Lord? And, guys, this is why I, I don't like to use the word hate in sermons. But this is why I hate prosperity theologies. Because not only are we not praying this, we're praying for the exact opposite of this. When we're like, oh, totally, if God loves me, he wants me to be rich and comfy and have everything I want. And then that will show people who he is if he gives me money. The Bible 100% disagrees with that. The Bible's saying if I give you everything you want, your heart might actually disown me. But are we praying that? And so, daily bread is a a prayer, the original daily bread prayer was, was a prayer of provision. God, I trust you to give me what you know I need. Not more, not less. And that's all I'm praying. Don't please, please help me not be like destitute on the streets. I just want my daily bread. And then you flip that. You say, God, I don't want to win the lottery. I don't want the fancy promotion. I just want my daily bread. And as Americans, we're like, well, that sounds stupid. I want, I want all that stuff. I want to win the lottery. I want the find the the bag of money on the street. I want the promotion. I want the esteem. I want the acclaim. And that's why we need to connect our hearts to the original daily bread prayer. And so here's my question. Ask yourselves this. Do I pray for provision? Or do I find that when I pray, I'm praying for things that will make my life more comfortable? Like, God, thank you, bro. Like, thank, like, I, I want the things in my life that will bring you glory. Remember, hallowed be your name. Like, I want the things that will bring your name glory. Poverty, that, that, that makes me feel very uncomfortable, God. So please, I, I don't want that. But riches, I don't do well with riches, God. Keep that away from me. I remember when I was a freelancer. So if you don't know, for all the visitors, I, before I was a minister, I was a freelance photographer, and I had my own studio, and I did all this stuff, and I had a lot of, lot, a lot of hands in a lot of pots professionally. And I worked with this magazine in Ann Arbor, and there was this guy who just saw how hard I worked. Kyle, he was my editor, and we were partners in this magazine, and he saw how hard I worked, and he's like, man, you're always working. And he kept, he would every, every once in a while, he'd be like, Ben, you know, I just believe. And this was him trying to appeal to me as a, as a spiritual guy. He's like, Ben, you know, I just believe, like, it's going to come to you one day. All that work's going to pay off, and your boat's going to come in. And that that phrase, your boat is going to come in, what it means is there's some, like, treasure. There's something awesome, but it's just, like, out at sea, and you're in, you're in port, and one day it's going it's to arrive and, like, bless your life, and your boat's going to come in. And problem was my journey as a freelance photographer helped my heart with this a lot I never I gotta be honest guys I never prayed a daily bread prayer when I worked at the my corporate job my nine-to-five direct deposit and if you have a corporate job that's great I'm glad but you might this might resonate with you when you get In our culture, when you get your direct deposit and a little bit's taken out to savings and a little bit's put to your 401k and you have all your bills like directly paid straight from your bank account, when it's all like structured and neat and tidy like that, what do we, we stop praying for daily bread. And we stop praying for God to be our provider. In fact, we don't need a provider because it's already set up by our employer and it's already taken care of and it's all good. Life is comfy. So when I'm a freelancer, all of a sudden, boom, no more paychecks. <laughs> no more direct deposit. No more anything. Like, it's terrifying. It was terrifying. And I lived that way for, for several years. And, and what I saw was that God was using that to help me understand him as provider. And that's when we started praying for daily bread, in almost in a literal way. But let me get back to Kyle. So he would reassure me, like, "Bro, I see how I see how hard you're working, Ben, and it's gonna be great. And one day your ship is gonna come in." And I remember having this talk with him at one point over lunch, and I was like, "I was like, hey, you know what, Kyle? You say that a lot, but honestly, I'm fine. My ship can stay out. I don't need it." And that's not something that we think about. We we do hope that there's some magical bounty of riches. Just waiting to be delivered to us somewhere. And the daily bread prayer, the original daily bread prayer is, ah, that's okay, I don't need that. I'm fine. I'm doing, I'm doing okay with my daily bread. My, my, my personal wealth building strategy is to work and then spend less than you make. And it's pretty straightforward. I think almost any of us can, can try it. But when we have this idea that, man, my ship is going to come in someday, then we actually live out the bad part of that prayer. We take control into our own hands. And we're like, I don't need a provider. I'm my own provider. God, but I do have a list of things I would like. Please give me this list of things to make my life more comfortable. So that is the original daily bread prayer. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and he put right in the middle, hey, Father, give us today our daily bread. They probably went, I know what he's saying. I don't want to be poor, but I don't want to be rich either. I just want contentment with God's provision. All right, let me me talk about this. The original daily bread. So Proverbs has the original daily bread prayer. But Exodus has the original daily bread. We're going to talk about this super weird thing called manna. This is in Exodus 16, and there's a lot about manna. I'm just going to touch on it, okay? But I want to read this. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, which wasn't really true. They were slaves. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Now here's what's weird. Manna had rules. And I'm just going to briefly cover them. Look, read Exodus. You can literally just type into your Bible app, manna, and you'll find all the scriptures that talk about it. But manna had some weird rules. God wasn't joking when he said, I'm going to rain down bread, and you're going to go out, and you're going to gather just enough for that day. Well, what did that mean? The rules for manna was that everybody had to go out and scrape up this. It was this weird, it was almost like the dew Turned into these flakes. It was like bread. It wasn't like loaves of bread rained down from heaven. It was like the morning dew dried and it turned into this weird pasty stuff that turned into flakes that they could collect and eat. And they said it tasted sweet. And it it was amazing. And so at first it was like a miracle. Later, though, they hated the stuff. And they grumbled against God about manna. But a couple of the rules for manna was you go out. And everybody had to go out and collect their manna for the day. And on the day before the Sabbath, you had to go out and collect two days' worth of manna. Enough for today and enough for the Sabbath. If on any of those other five days, you tried to collect too much, two days' worth, if it was like a Tuesday, and you're like, you know what? I've got a busy Wednesday, so I'm just going to go out and collect enough manna for today and tomorrow. You would eat your Tuesday manna, and then Wednesday, when you went to your pot with your Tuesday manna in it, it would be filled with maggots. It would be rotting. And they'd be like, why can't I do this? And he's like, because it's, it's, it's not about the... It, this, I told you at the very beginning, I'm giving you this to test your heart to see if you'll obey me. And then... On the Sabbath, there was no manna. So you better have, if you didn't collect food, manna, on the day before the Sabbath, Sabbath morning you wake up and you're like, maybe there's, nope, guess you're fasting. But manna had rules. And so Jesus, when he is praying, when he's teaching his disciples, Father, give us today our daily bread. Another one of the callbacks is back to manna. He's, he's reminding them that, yeah, we used, we have prayed for daily bread in Proverbs. But we also have in our story, in our story as a people, we have daily bread. And that came with a certain obedience. And it's saying it came with a certain commitment. And you couldn't just do whatever you wanted. And God was your provider. Guys, here's here's my very simple question. But man, it's simple and extremely hard. Is God my provider? I think the more you think about this, the more the answer starts to go to no. An easy, prideful answer is, well, of course he's my provider. He's God. No, 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 no. This is, when I, when, I was free, when I was a freelancer, when I had no paychecks, I, I remember years and years, my whole life, never asking God to, to take care of my family, like, for survival. I never, when I had my nice direct deposit and all that stuff and we made lots of money, like, I never said, like, God, I don't know how to feed my children. I need you, or or I don't know what's going to happen. I was never desperate. I was never desperate for God's provision when it was just, hey, it's Friday, and now the number on my bank statement is higher than it was yesterday. Awesome. This is great. If you had to collect magic bread every day, and you couldn't save it, I'm telling you what, you would clearly see that God is the one keeping you alive. What's keeping that from happening in your life today, though? Why don't we see that now, that God is my provider? Why don't we pray daily bread prayers? And partly is because, guys, our lives are just so darn comfy. They're just so easy. And you might be like, you don't know me, dude. My life isn't easy. And you're right. I don't know every hardship that you're encountering. But I guarantee you, the poorest, hardest life person in this room, if you were to go back to the first century Israel, you would look like you were a wizard. You would look like you walked on air. You don't, anyone in here, like, we we get to go to the store, guys. You might grow your food, and that's great. I would encourage people, yeah, get a garden, grow food, do, do all that stuff. But if if nothing comes up, you don't sit around and go like, well, I guess we don't eat today. You go, well, I guess we're going to Walmart, whatever, whatever it is. Comfort, so even, like, when we were in India, like, when you, when I would tell people, like, yeah, the poorest person in America, gosh, it's amazing. Like, if, you could have nothing, but if you were walking down the street and you got hit by a car, someone would literally, like, pull out this magical box out of their pocket, call 911, and then, like, a van would come and put you in the thing and take you to one of the best hospitals in the world and you get cared for. And and I talked to a brother in Christ whose wife died because it's just a very different system. He was like, yeah, we were driving on our motorcycle, and I hit a pothole, and she bounced off, and she died. She got run over. And... um. And he's like, man, I I would love what you guys have in America. Not just with, in, um, you know, s- systems and infrastructure, but like, we lose sight of how good our life is because it's so comfortable. My warning is that every part of your life that is super duper comfy erases your need for God. comforts erase the need for God which is exactly what the proverb was saying do not give me riches otherwise i might disown you and say who is the lord so my question is is god your provider and if not if you get to that point where you're like yeah i don't i don't i haven't really thought about this before you jump right into tr- to fix it mode fix it mode is like Well, I'm going to start praying for God to be my provider. Here's my my advice. Before you jump into fix-it mode and start living the new version where you're super spiritual and you ask God to provide, all that stuff, that's great. But before that, who is your provider? Who is the thing that takes care of all your needs? And I'm putting forth that what I found is that it was me. I was very capable of meeting my own needs. And we love, we love to be self-reliant. That's a virtue in our in our society, in our country, in our culture. Like I'm a self-made man. And all we're saying is, God is not my provider. And if it's not you, who is it? Is it another person? I felt like we had to talk about this with the campus quite a bit. We had people who are on like full-ride scholarships and I'm like, that's great, someone's paying for your school, that's awesome, but now we get into the, that is your provider. And there's a little bit of mastery that goes along with that where we, I remember we had, we were going to play Capture the Flag. Like, hey, guys, we're going to meet at Angelo's, like he had a big farmhouse, this huge land. We're like, we're going to go meet at Angelo's and play capture the flag. And this dude who was a great, great guy, but he was like the, the captain of the track team at U of M, all-star. And he was like, I'm not going to play capture the flag in some nasty mole-infested yard. We're like, why not? He's like, because if I, hurt, like, trip and hurt my ankle, then I can't run. And if I can't run, then I don't get school. And I'm like, okay, yeah, so he just just came and sat there and watched us run around the yard. But that spread out across all all of our lives, where we're like, man, someone, someone kind of, they're providing for me, so then I have to, I have a responsibility to that thing. And that is, you will see that in all corners of our life. So, all right, let's get back to where we're at in the Bible. Jesus' prayer right now. Jesus said, his disciples came up to him and said, hey, rabbi, teach us how to pray. And then he said this, he said the Lord's prayer. So this is his model for how they should pray, and it's it's repeated. So we're assuming that this is something that Jesus did regularly, even if he didn't repeat these exact same words every time, that's fine. But he was teaching them how to pray, like, This is something that you should get used to praying for. This should be in your prayer vocabulary. And it wasn't a sermon. He wasn't like teaching them. He was just showing them this is how to pray. And he said, give us today our daily bread. So, again, Jesus, the guy that could make his own bread, and he did, he regularly went to God and he said just meet my needs just take care of me i will be content with your provision and so that's the last thing i just want to talk about when when god is your provider and then god provides are we content with his provision or does he give us if I pray daily bread, and he's like, "Daily bread's hard, guys." <laughs> Here's daily bread, and then I go, "Well, this is stupid. I want more than this." He's like, "Oh, you don't want daily bread then. You want riches. You want comforts." Here's what James says, and I think we've read this in, in a, at least a few sermons. James four thirteen through sixteen, he says, "Now listen, you who say, today." Or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city spend a year there carry on business make money why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes instead you ought to say if it is the Lord's will we will live and do this or that as it is you boast in your arrogant schemes all such boasting is evil and I just want to focus on this If it is the Lord's will, we will do this, we'll live, or do this, or that. And this is where, this gets to the heart of contentment. It's like, when God reveals his will, I'm going to be okay with that. If it's not his will, we're not going to do that. If it's his will, we'll do that. But we fight God's will all the time. Just like Jesus with his daily bread prayer, calling back to the original daily bread prayer, calling back to the original daily bread, is that part of your regular daily vocabulary? Provision, contentment. God, I need your provision, and when you provide, I am content. Is that part of your daily vocabulary between you and God? Do you ask God to provide? Question number one, because some of us don't. We provide for ourselves and we ask God for the extras. Once you ask God to provide, are you content with His provision? And a lot of us are not. God can show you very clearly how little you need to survive and get through life and still make an impact on this world. You don't need that much. And yet, when He shows you that, do you say, This is unacceptable? I'm out of here. I thought my life would be different than this. Here's an example. It bothers me <laughs> to my core when you sit down at a restaurant or at someone's house or at whatever. Most of the time it's at a restaurant. And you, the food comes, and you're super spiritual, so you're like, let us pray and bless this food to nourish our bodies. And you're like, Lord thank you for this bountiful harvest before us and this amazing nourishment. I Thank you for this food that you have so richly provided for us. And then we take a bite and we're like, ugh, it's not the way I asked for it. This food is, ugh, this is horrible. His fries are cold, this is dumb. And then we yell at the waitress, we don't leave a tip. It's shameful. It's like God is up there like, I wish you never even thanked me for this food. Like, wh- why did you even bring me into your, like, super selfish, arrogant equation? <laughs> That's all. That's just my pet peeve. <laughs> I don't like it when people pray for their food and they complain about it. And so I literally I have this, like, conviction. I just, if, I, if I thank God for this food, if it's substandard to my, like, hi, like high fancy taste, I just am like, well, then I guess it's the food God wanted me to eat today. This is why I'm not a food critic for some fancy magazine. <laughs> I would be like, this is fine. <laughs> All my reviews would be like, yeah, it was great. It was fine. Okay. So here, here's, here's what I want, guys. I want this. I want us. We, you can pray the Lord's Prayer. And it's, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation." Blah, 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 blah. And we pray, and give us today our daily bread. Six words give us today our daily bread and it means nothing and it has no impact on our lives it doesn't ask us to change in any way it doesn't present it doesn't position us before a mighty God and it doesn't present him with a request for anything like real and personal give us today our daily bread you might as well just say blah 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 here's what I want I want a daily bread attitude in our hearts what does that mean it is a daily it is an attitude of provision where God is the one that is keeping me alive and I feel it and it's real to me God is the one who is my provider and I have to fight every day to make sure it's not me that I'm not my own provider and I'm not kidding you have to fight every day to take that provision name tag off of you, that provider, and give it to God. It's part of Jesus is Lord. Wake up and be like, well, here's, here's how I'm naturally wired. I'm, my, I'm Lord, I'm my own master, I'm my own provider. This is all, Now I gotta start handing out rolls for the day. God, you do this. Provision is part of the daily bread attitude and then contentment. And guys, we are horrible at this. In modern day and in America, it, it, we're, we are horrible at being content. And not only that, that we can be, we can have that daily bread attitude, but that other people can see it in us. This gets back to that hallowed bee. If you haven't listened to the other lessons, go back because we're going to talk about this in every one. That, that what I'm doing is transforming me and that when people look at me, they see God working. When we understand daily bread, it actually brings us a peace and joy that we can't manufacture on our own and that other people will notice. So, this is what we showed uh, last week. There's two parts of this prayer. The first one is where we position ourselves before God. God, you know who you are. I, I need to be reminded of who you are and my place in this relationship. So I'm going to position myself lowly, humbly before you. And then I'm going to present these things before you. The give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. Like, I'm going to present these things, but this isn't like my, my wish list. This isn't the vending machine, God. This is me saying, I, this is a partnership, and I have a responsibility in this too. And what we find is that when we properly position ourselves before our Father, every request is an extension of that we're not just asking for stuff what we're doing is we are humbly requesting that that God will be that force that sustains us and guides us in our life and so again what we're trying to do is connect Jesus's heart to his dad Figure out if there's a way that we can connect our heart to God in the same way. And stop just blathering this blah, blah, blah prayer. Stop making it, stop saying it without thinking about it. And then drag it piece by piece deep into your heart. So that, so deep that it changes you. That you're like, I can't, if I pray this the right way, it can't just stay the same. Can I have the same attitude towards God that Jesus had? That's a way to ask that. I challenge you to think about this this week. And what I want is I want daily bread to not just be six words in Matthew. I want it to be an attitude. I want it to be a real request and a commitment to obey our Father in heaven. Amen? Guys, that is all. And with that, I have Courtney Heiler doing our communion this morning. So, Courtney, come on up.